Welcome to the NPL Sunday Night Show, powered by the Brisbane Football Review. Hosted by Scott Owen. Well, firstly, what a surprise Adam goes through a game at Morton Bay. And Adam Pace. I was gonna say, I was actually gonna say, yep, that's that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Let's let's go have this one. Your weekly NPL recap starts now. All right, good morning, and welcome to another of the Brisbane Footballers NPLs on the show. Your weekly recap of everything that happens in Queensland football. Adam, how are you? I'm good, Scott, uh, and uh, congratulations on an order for you for you uh, joining the esteemed uh, cast of FQ commentators. I'm not sure it's esteemed, but thank you very much. It was good to join James last night on the commentary. Yeah, uh, I still have bits and pieces. I was obviously at the ground, and we'll uh, cover that uh, game very, very shortly. We'll cover it right now. In fact, as we do start our coverage of the NPL Sunday show, as usual with the NPL Men's Conference, round number nine, and it did start out there at Lions Stadium with the grand final round between Lions, SC and Olympic. And the, the game, Adam, went pretty similarly to the grand final. In fact, it was a 3-1 win for Lions, SC. Two goals from Alex Fechner, one from Jackson Hart Phillips. Zach Kiepel got a goal back for uh, for Olympic just before halftime, but Lions were in lo- control for large parts of this game, weren't they? Yeah, it was the same star of the show that was at uh, Parc de Paris uh, back back last year. Alex Fechner, who like I keep on saying every week, I think is the best player in MPL Queensland right now. And again, on the biggest stage, he uh, proved again with a very, very nice brace. Absolutely fantastic strike to the first one. Really good finish first time into the into the side. Absolutely great finish. And the sort of strike that you, you get when you have a player in the sort of red-hot form that he's in. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it seems to be every week. And probably, uh, funny enough, he probably could have had a couple more as well. Uh, he, he seems he, uh, this combination that he's having with Andy Pengelly at the moment. While while Andy Pengelly's certainly not racking up the score, the uh, goals at the moment. Uh, they, they this this combination seems to be almost almost unstoppable. And uh, Lions now they they've only they've only uh, dropped one game in the last uh, in their last eight, and that was that was a draw. So you say that they um, Andy Pengelly is not in the greatest of form this year. Those two up front, Alex Vecna and Andy Pengelly, have now combined for 23 of 38 goals that Lions have scored this year. So that combination, we said it before, Adam, how good they have been. That really illustrates that two-thirds of the goals that Lions have scored this year have come from those two players. Yeah, it has that. And obviously when you have when you have a uh, front front line that is scoring very, very prodigiously like those two are, uh, like I said, you, you're going to be more closer to the top than you are the bottom. And right now, Lions are top of the pack. They are. I was just, but that's I'm talking about the Lions front. So we might just leave that there for now. some of the other players around the some more unsung heroes. And Jackson Hart Phillips, Adam, on that left-hand side, had an outstanding game. And he did, go, did get on the score sheet for the first time in Lions colours. But his all-round game on that on that side was outstanding. He seems to be the further forward he seems to go, um, the better he's getting. He's really, you know, starting to get involved, uh, playing out of that left back, left wing back role. But he seems to be getting really forward. Like, it reminds me a lot of um, Josh Brindle South in in his days when he was on, when he was on, on the left and those um, those great teams, you know, a couple of years ago. And it looks like that the same uh, formula seems to be applying to Jackson Hart Phillips. And I think he's. He, uh, yeah, he probably had his best game Lions colours uh, last night, but also as well, I thought Nathan Shepard as well. Um, that, that veteran experience coming into the side, I thought he also had um, one of his better games in a long time. 
Absolutely. We'll talk about the ultimate midfield in just a moment. Two direct players like Nathan Shepard, Fletcher Minot's another one. They come in and fill multiple different roles for Darren Simon's side, doesn't he? It's great. It must be great for a coach to have some great players, good players that come in off the bench and fill in in numerous different positions. No matter where you put them in, they do a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, I think that's the, the one thing about Lions at the moment, but why they're probably at the top of the pack at the moment is the versatility. They they lose they lose a player like Zach Maltby to, to injury. And Fletcher McDonald, while at times looked a little bit uncomfortable playing in that right wing back role, but now he did, a, did an excellent job. Um, Ethan Doherty as well, he who's sort of was known as a more of a defensive midfielder. He, he's come to the heart of the defence and and like I said, they they've just um, been almost um, like like a brick wall uh, ever since uh, he's sort of gone back permanently into that uh, into that back three. Absolutely, and the player who most probably encaptures that versatility at him is Joey Duckworth, who's yep. formerly a Golden Boot winner for Lions in his first year at the club. He's now moved into that holding midfield role. And on Saturday night, he was absolutely superb, wasn't he, in terms of the amount of space he had, space and time he had on the ball, but. Every time he got the ball, something good happened from Lions' perspective as well. So it wasn't just that he had a lot of the ball. A lot of good came from it as well. Yeah, he, he's he's another one that is in absolutely a standing form. Uh, the further he pushes forward. Uh, I know um, Darren Simon said that he's probably you know, better better as a number six. But uh, like I said, when, when he's getting the space that he is getting, and same with Sean Carlos, the amount of freedom that they seem to be getting at the moment, they're just they're just running wild in midfield. And uh, and, in, and I think also um, Joe Duckworth also probably could have and should have had um, another goal, a, a sensational free kick yeah, in, inside five minutes, which cannoned off the um, off the near post, and that that could have, that could have reset the tone as well very very early on. Nearly repeated the trick he had at Brisbane City earlier in the year. But we're still talking about the midfield amount of space they had, Adam. I want to transition to talking about Olympic now. And did that surprise you the amount of time that they gave Lions on the ball? Because we saw the week before against Municipal, they were really aggressive in their defensive press. But it seemed like last night, even with 11 on 11, it seemed like they just sat back a bit more. Is that the impression you got? I think it was. Um, I think they did. I think it must have been a bit of a game plan. From them to sort of you know to sit back a bit more absorb rather than sort of go out and attack. Maybe maybe they felt that you now if they tried to really press um, Duckworth and Carlos that that basically if they get do get caught behind there isn't much uh, there isn't much sort of you know protection uh, for for that back four if they do they get through the line. So I, I got a feeling that you now it sounds like either way at the moment you know, and that's the form that Sean Carlos and Joe Duckworth are in that. Either way, it doesn't seem to be effectively stopping them because I can see why Olympic did it, but either way, it didn't work. It didn't work, absolutely. And in the front third, they did, had a couple of half chances, but it was a bit of a, a frustrating night for them because I know Zach Keeper had got on the score sheet, but it wasn't really a great night for any of the Olympic attackers. But in a lot of cases, they were starved of service, weren't they? They were, and again, that's, yeah, again, Lions won the midfield battle. It's as simple as that. And that's, if you win the midfield battle, especially with a sort of, Sort of you know, attacking-minded uh, midfield that Olympic do have. Uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna win too many games. I think, especially when you get to the, the top level uh, in in this state in at MPL, there the midfield is so crucial. And last night it was a technical knockout win for Lions in the midfield. As as hard as as hard as you know Lockie Sayers and uh, and Steve White tried, uh, they just they just couldn't match motors with um, Duckworth and Carlos. That's for sure. And there was one controversial moment which we didn't talk about. Um, Shelford Davis was shown a straight red card 
just before the halftime break, Adam, it was a, a foul that was waved play on initially. And then when the ball went over the goal line for a goal kick, the referee, Martin Christoph, went back and gave the red card. I was certainly surprised in the commentary on on the game. And was, was the same reaction for you at the ground? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're sort of wondering how, what, what happened almost. Uh, I, I know I, I've never seen it before where where you know, a, play, a player's been given advantage and then it's gone back and then it's been a straight red card. I'm, I'm not saying that, it's, it, that it was incorrect or anything, but I, I've just never seen it before where usually it's a, it's a where it's a yellow card where it's a caution for that. And quite frankly, I didn't think the challenge itself was that bad that it deserves a straight red. Definite yellow. No, no question about that. Um, and shelf of dais, but I think it looked it looked very you know innocuous, you know that sort of you know, left Alex Peckness or sprawling. But I didn't I didn't think it was worth um, a straight red, especially after Vange's way. But that was just one of those odd, odd bizarre occurrences. I tend to agree with you. I've never seen it either that a re- referee goes back after waving play on to give a straight red. I've never seen it either. I didn't like you. I'm not saying it's wrong. I've just I've never never seen that that rule interpret or implied in that particular way but I think that it was certainly it was a forceful challenge in terms of the challenge from Shelford that's on Alex Fechner it could you know it could have been perceived as that sort of challenge but I've never seen again yellow probably would have sufficed but I've never seen a referee wave play on and then go back and give a straight red card yeah and um look I guess you could put the argument that you know studs may have been up but obviously as well very very wet pitch um probably would have exaggerated the slide a little bit more so maybe um Shelford Dias was a victim of the, I guess the circumstances and conditions as well and uh yeah it didn't it looked it looked ugly but it looked more of a collision rather than a reckless you know Forceful challenge to you know to maim maim the opponent. I think I think yeah, it's one of those ones where look at the end of the day, uh, look, oh, the the referee at the end of the day, he's probably got the best view and, and he's got to live with that call. Uh, I just I just didn't think it was worthy of that. But um, but yeah, and I I think it, but I don't think it really changed the game that much. I think at the end of the day, it caused it caused a bit of a reshuffle to the way uh, the way that Olympic played, and obviously the numerical disadvantage would have been that, but. Lions were in control of that contest before the um, the challenge went in. They most certainly were. Any other observations you had from the ground last night? Other than um, that, it was wet, <laughs> um, very very wet, and uh, and yeah, and also as well a bit and a bit, a bit of spice as well in the, in the contest as well as a couple of you know, near blow-ups. Uh, and also as well, a very cheeky yellow card from our good friend Aidan Munford on, uh, on Zach Kierpahl midway through the second half. That I, uh, I know a cheeky little shove that I don't think the cameras picked up, but uh, we certainly saw it at the ground. Absolutely. And fairness, thank you for picking it up because we didn't see it either. It was slightly off camera. But also, you mentioned it was wet, and it certainly was wet conditions. But despite that, both sides did try and play some really good football, didn't they? It wasn't... It wasn't a game where there was a lot of direct ball. There was a lot of short, sharp interplay of passing, which you don't tend to see too often in wet conditions. It was a credit to both sides they were able to, to play that way and try to play that way despite the conditions. Absolutely, and that, that you're right. It, it is a credit to both teams and the professionals in both teams that they they did despite despite you know the the wet conditions, especially on the I guess the the far side from the camera, the close the the. Uh, 
the the uh, club side of the ground is especially particularly wet, and you could see a lot a lot of time there's spray coming up, you know, and heavy in patches. But the team still tried to play like they would as if it was a bone dry day. So, look, I think you know for for sake of entertainment value, you know, both teams have thumb up for, thumbs up for that. Absolutely, four goals, a red card, plenty of drama, and still Adam that was on the shallow end of the pool by Olympic Lions fans. After the game, you caught up with their coach of Lions, Darren. So I saw what Darren had to say after his sides will win three-one over Olympic on Saturday night. I'm joined by the winning coach tonight, Darren Syme. First of all, Darren, obviously a game that means a lot to uh, the club and to the uh, to the players. Yes, we uh, we displaced the mouth, didn't we? We. Uh, we certainly had a, a game plan tonight to go out and, and, and make sure that we played our playing style on our home surface. You know, uh, it, we moved to, not moved away from it from the last couple of weeks, but we were, I suppose when you're on the road, you have to make some sacrifices. So it was really nice to, to see uh, a fairly polished performance in the end from us. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, rainy conditions tonight. Did that change the game plan at all, or was it always the, the task? No, it, it no. We didn't, we didn't change. We always wanted to, to play, and we always knew when you play against the Olympic, you have to have a mammoth def- defensive effort. Um, so it, probably the conditions helped us a little bit in that regard, being able to, to press in key areas and, and force some turnovers, which I think the first two goals came from. Um, so, no, it, it didn't change a great deal for us. I was just going to mention, obviously, the first two goals came from turnovers in their final third. Obviously, is that, was that something that you guys worked on to really pressure them? Yeah, you know, I think the, uh, the farther that Olympic are away from our goal, the better. <laughs> so if we can keep them there, then that, that's, that's nice because they, uh, they've got so much talent and power up front. So, yeah, um, um, you know, you work on it and, and you hope that... It, you know, you get some results out of it, so it was pleasing to see that we uh, we scored a couple from it. Obviously, uh, the midfield is firing. Uh, Joe Duckworth and Sean Cast. There seemed to be a lot of um, space in the middle tonight. Was that uh, obviously something that you identified from Olympic, maybe seeing through the tapes and whatnot? Yeah, you know, they they press exceptionally well with that front five, and um, we always knew that if we were able to keep the ball um, and work through that first couple of lines, that the space was there. Um, so yeah, it's you know, but that's that's you know that's a dilemma. Do you do, you do invite that trouble um, and potentially lose a goal, or do you have to be brave? So I'm very very happy with the boys at the back the way they um, you know played through those lines at times and, and were really patient. So it was nice. Obviously, a couple of uh, missing players tonight: um, Matt Rydenton out and also Zach Malpey. Uh, any word on when they'll be back? Uh, well, Matt should be back probably next week, I would suggest, but Zach probably a little bit longer. Um, he had surgery on his arm. It's quite a, a gruesome-looking uh, injury, but uh, it's only something that could really happen to Zach Moulton, to be fair. So he'll probably be out a, a minimum of two weeks, but probably a little bit longer. So, But it's nice to see the other boys step in. Fletcher McDonald was amazing. We asked him to do something he probably was a little bit unfamiliar with, and that's what you need if you want to win the league. You need... Everyone playing their part, and, and I'm really glad that that he did. And thank you to Darren and Adam there. They was quite happy last night, Darren. Time, I imagine. Ah, uh, yes, he was, and he also got a, another Shakespeare reference. If you missed it in the uh, 
in in the uh, interview. But uh, yeah, look, very happy. It's it's a win that means a lot to to Lions as well. This is this is probably the preeminent rivalry as far as you know the the, the, the top teams in the league. Like there there probably are geographical rivals and whatnot, but this is the game that you know that, that seems to make the most headlines. And their yeah, lines, you know, get a psychological uh, blow in in their rival against Olympic. It's a rivalry that is both geographic and also on the field. We'll move on to the rest of the round, round number nine, and a couple of other rivalries, actually, because it was rivalry weekend in the NPL Queens. And we'll start down on the Gold Coast with the Gold Coast derby. Adam, Gold Coast Knights picked up a 1-0 win over Gold Coast. And an early goal from Will Peck gave the Knights the win in that. It was a, it's a really important win for Gold Coast Knights, wasn't it, in terms of getting the win after losing the final round of the year to Gold Coast United last year. This was a really important win for them to get back the ascendancy in the derby. Yeah, uh, early goal for for Will Peck, which uh, was a bit of a mix up at the back for for Gold Coast United, and uh, a sort of simple tap in. But uh, they did well to to sort of hold hold out uh, and hold a clean sheet uh, from Gold Coast United, who obviously they they got their strikers in form, their forwards in form with you know, a big win over uh, the Young Raw uh, on on the previous Wednesday night. But uh, also as well that they had to do it with ten men. Uh, Gold Coast Knights, so that that's that's a fair effort, and we're still saying that they need to find a game to you know to to right the ship a little bit, and uh, I think this I think this performance I think would have pleased uh, Scott McDonald for nothing less for the effort, and at least you know getting a big three points against the local rival. No question, I'm sure it did. And the other derby game played on Saturday night was up around your part of town, Adam in Moreton Bay. It was a two nil win away from home for Moreton Bay United over Peninsula Power. Two goals. From Rio Ono, I'll be quiet here and let you talk about this one because I imagine you're quite happy with the result. Um, yes, and I imagine that uh, everyone at Morton Bay United will also be happy about that because this is their first win over uh, Peninsula Power in the derby. So, so uh, yeah, look, uh, Rio Ono scoring a double, and uh, it's it's a big it's a big win for Morton Bay as well because. We thought a couple of weeks ago that you know, after they lost to Young Raw, we thought they were in deep trouble. Uh, since then, uh, two wins and, and a draw, and all of a sudden they're they're sitting uh, in mid table. So it just shows that you know you string a couple of results together, and all of a sudden things uh, seem a lot better. And uh, and that's definitely case with Morton Bay right now. Absolutely, and they celebrated it loud and proud out there at AJ Kelly Park last night. As for the home side, it's back to back defeats for. Peninsula Power. We'll go through the table in a, in a few moments, but they're up to four defeats, I believe, at the moment at Peninsula Power. Adam? I just No, yes, four, played nine, lost four. They wouldn't have lost that many games at all last year. This is the sort of transition year for Peninsula Power, isn't it, where they've been so strong for the last couple of years, and now we're starting to see some new players phased in up there. This is the sort of inconsistency you kind of expected from them, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, back, back-to-back losses for Peninsula Power, which doesn't happen um, that often. When I say you know, I say that, they did lose rounds one and two. But uh, especially when they sort of you know get moving you know through the season, uh, generally they're the team that don't don't lose too many. But uh, yeah, back to back losses, and and all of a sudden you know they, they, so they're, they're sitting they're sitting comfortably you know, near the top at the moment. But uh, they want it. again, like like we said about Gold Coast Knights, they probably need. Uh, a win or two just to right the ship again. That because uh, after they had some you know really good performances uh, in in between those rounds, like six one loss to Olympic and then two nil loss to Morton Bay, uh, they they're going to need to find the winners circle very very soon. Absolutely. So as 
as a comparison, in 2021, they lost four games. 2020 lost four. And their first year in the competition in 2019, they lost five. So it's very unpower-like at the moment. We'll see if they can dig themselves out of trouble this weekend when they play at Logan. We'll move on to the final game played on Saturday night. Adam, speaking of Logan, it was a two-wall draw between Logan and Capalba down there at John Federicks Park. Neil Sands got the equaliser 15 minutes from time in that one for, for Logan. Once again, Capalaba on their own ground proved very, very tricky for most teams, don't they? They We saw during midweek they gave Lions a bit of a good tussle as well. Uh, they did, and uh, I think that's going to be one factor if there's any hope that Capalaba are going to survive. They're sitting, they're, they're 0, for 9, 0 for 9 wins a season, they three draws. Um, if they get any chance of survival, it's going to come from a, you know, a lot of points, a lot of wins at home. And it seems though that they, they seem to at least uh, have a bit of a fortress at Max Haynes Field more than uh, they do away because their last away performance was not that great. It was not. We'll move on to the Sunday action now, and we'll start up on the goal on the sunshine, guess, Beggy Palm, between the Wanderers and the Brisbane Royal Cameron. It's a two all draw up there. Thomas Waddingham got the raw 93rd minute equaliser when it looked like they were going to drop and drop and drop the points to the Wanderers. But this is another position time the Wanderers have been in a position to win a game late on and have, have seen the points drip away, isn't it? Yeah, it was one thing when we were looking at the tables before coming on air and all that. Uh, six draws this season, now nine for. Sunshine Coast, and four of those six games uh, have been drop points in winning positions. So, what well, they're playing well, and they they are winless in seven at the moment. They won their first two games of the season, are winless since then. But that those winless is is um is six draws and one loss. That one loss was against the the uh, league leaders and Lions. So, so but um with that said. That, that, that's sort of the encouraging thing about it, but also as well, yeah, four of those uh, six draws have been lost in, from winning positions. It's that age-old glass half full, glass half empty way. You look at, look at you look at they have lost one game out of nine, which is a quite a good start to the season, no doubt about it. Or you can say they are winless. And for me, I, I imagine that as frustrating as it would be to have been in winning positions and and seen the points slip away, to be lose one game from your first nine and be sitting just outside. The top four is a pretty good start to the year. Oh, absolutely, and I, I think that that's the main thing as well is that uh, you, you do need to look. If you're Sunshine Coast Wanderers, you're looking at as you know a good position. You're sitting just outside the top four. Uh, you're not losing games. You're still you're still gaining something out of that, uh, despite despite what we said. If you minus you, know, you start looking the the more sort of closer analysis of it and how where they've drawn and whatnot. It's still it's still a great it's a still great performance. I, I'm sure that you know teams uh, six to twelve would would love to trade up with them and uh, be in the position they're in. So look, while while you know winless and winless uh, seven is a factor, I still think that there there at least is more positives and negatives. I'd speaking of two teams in those bottom six currently, the final game of the round was played out at Spencer Park this afternoon between Brisbane City and Eastern Suburbs. Now East took the lead early on to Abraham Yango Adam before. Two goals in the second half from Jackson Simpkin and Daniel Bowles from the penalty spot gave City their second win of the season. They had to be really patient here to get the win because East played quite well, but they got there in the end. This was a really, really even contest and a good match to watch as well. Yeah, absolutely. It was a very entertaining game for Sunday afternoon out at uh, Corporate Travel Management Stadium. Um, yeah, look, 
Bristol City had to had to graft and they had to stay patient. They sort of, you know, they they pushed and pushed uh, against East side that that were very very handy. And uh, look, I think they'd be disappointed more that they they let uh, they they let uh, this this game slip because for about about sixty minutes. They they were looking the goods as far as as you know get, getting out of there with a win, but um but also credit to City that they they fought back uh you know, they they're able to uh able to equalise through Jackson Simpkin who you know for a for a left back or playing in left central centre back role had a you know it was really an attacking position a great strike to finish off before a penalty uh, that. Uh, that another uh, centre back in Daniel Bowles put away, so and, and uh, did very well. So yeah, that's a big win for uh, Brisbane City. Big three points for them, and it obviously puts uh, puts pressure on the teams above them as far as um, the relegation spots go. It does. Jackson Simpkin, they're filling in the position. His coach Matt Smith normally plays, and he did play in the game. Matt Smith, he came on off the bench. But for 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 Eastern Suburbs, I'm sorry, I want to say this is the first time we've seen them play. In person, I was really impressed with them. I'll talk about Daniel Cunha in a minute, but the two wingbacks, Alex Simmons and Kai Fechner, notionally attacking players, did a really good job in those those wide areas, didn't they, Adam? And as I mentioned, Daniel Cunha in the middle of midfield, for the first 60 minutes, controlled absolutely everything, didn't he? It was a really assured performance in the midfield, and he's added a lot to that east side, hasn't he? Oh, Daniel Cunha, he's um, he he hasn't dropped a beat since he moved from power back. Back to East, um, yeah. I, I, I that, that's a lot of, um, and I have to admit, when we're doing the um, predictions, I thought that you know that that Cunha's probably sort of you know getting a bit past his his best, you know, sort of winding down in his career. But from what I saw today, that's uh, that couldn't be further from the truth. He he is playing exceptionally. Yeah, it's sort of you know end to end, you know, as well. I so see he's he's trying to dig balls out, you know, back on his own byline, or he's contributing in the attack. You know, so he he really is the heart and soul of that side, and, that, and, that's, and that's not to discredit a number of other players in that team. It, it's a very very solid team, very attacking team as well. Uh, as you said, Kai Fechner and Alex Simmons both playing in a wing back role. Uh, they're guys that you know can play on the front line most other at most other clubs. So. Um, David Booth's got a very, very good side there, and I think they, 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 they miss they're missing both of their uh, regular centre backs in Lachlan Gorry and Hyung uh, Yoon Sun, who were both both missing from this game. So that that sort of had a um had a bit of an impact as well. Uh, Lawrence Kent had to start this game, who's normally comes on as a super sub, uh, and has as uh, sort of you know had a big effect on on East results and during the season so far. So, but look. I think they're, they're, they're certainly worthy where they're at the moment. Probably a bit unlucky. They certainly are. We will move on swiftly from talking about Eastern Suburbs and predictions by members of this show, as I've said time and time again. I've, I've probably got that one slightly wrong in the season preview, but we'll move on and we'll hear from the head coach of Brisbane City, Matt Smith. That's what I'd say after his side came back from a goal down to beat Eastern Suburbs this afternoon out there at Cork Trailblazers Stadium. I was talking about the coach of Brisbane City, Matt Smith. Matt, you had to be patient there to after we went goal down early. We must be really pleased with the team's response and to come away with three points. Yeah, I think credit to credit to East for the first half. Um, we were the second we were the second best team first half. And I said to my players at half time, like it, it's all good and well having tactics and, and having preparation and, and knowing your roles and responsibilities to go to go win a game. But if you don't action them, if you're not going to be prepared to obviously sleeves up and actually match in opposition and it's going to be very, very difficult so East thoroughly deserved the first half I think um, I think second half our boys responded and I think that um, 
but to be fair, I think it was a messy game. Uh, it, it wasn't really a pretty game to watch. It was very transitional. The, the, the composure was kind of gone from, from both teams second half. And I think we showed something a little bit different you know, at a time where we probably needed it. Like there's been, there's been games where we've lost this season and I think we performed very, very well. And that, 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 that's a game there where I think on the balance of the second half, we, we deserve the goals. But I wouldn't say that one team really outshone the other, you know. And I think that for us, it's now to, to go and build on that, you know, with three points in the bag. So. Was it important to get the result today after what happened in the last game? It's difficult to say about the last game. We had we had a game on Sunday with with ten minutes for the second half, and I had to back up three days later against the Olympic team. And you know they took the, they were ruthless, and they, again they thoroughly deserved the game. But then you see when they when that the, the results are crazy because then they went and lost to Olympic six 0 So it's not it's not easy. To, this league this year is very inconsistent. This league this year, no one's really picking the results at the moment. Like. And again, like we don't, I don't focus on what the other teams are doing. Like we need to keep progressing as a club and as a team, and as a group of players moving forward. And again, like we have, we really, <laughs> we played very, very well and lost today. We didn't play as, we didn't play very, very well, but we've, we, we, we managed to get the win. You mentioned it's a very even league so far this season. This, this results are going to be something you can really use as a catalyst to kick forward and to, into the second half of the season. Yeah, of course. I mean, like. Yeah. We've had, um, you know, we've had a, we, we've had a difficult start. We've had a tough start. We've, we've, we've again, we've performed well. We haven't performed well. We've, we've been punished when we haven't performed well. So, look, it's, it's a very, very tough league, right? Like, we go to Capalaba next weekend now, and, and away from home, and they're proving very, very difficult to beat. They're, you know, again, they've got players in there that, could, that are taking chances, that are scoring goals. So, for us, we could, we could keep building momentum, and our players should have a lot of confidence from that second half performance. And then going to, again, the, the training weeks are amazing, the group of players are amazing, they, they, they keep pushing and going. And and that's what we need to focus on. We're like The end result will come eventually, but we just need to keep it growing and growing and growing as, as we transition back into NPL. So you attempt to take the penalty at the end? Sorry? You attempt to take the penalty at the end? Me? <laughs> I don't think I'd take a penalty in my life. <laughs> now, but but Bolsey, but, but we have some good penalty takers. You know? Bolsey, Brandon, um, Fraser, Sammy. Um, you know they're, they're all comfortable taking penalties, and um, Fraser, Fraser held one against Gold Coast United at, at the um, at, at the start of the year. Again, that's a, a good example. We we're one the up against Gold Coast United. Get a penalty a few minutes before half time, we end up missing it. You know, like uh, that, that, that that's on us. That, that's on that, that's on nobody else. But I saw Bolsey and Bolsey and Fraser have a bit of a look to each other, and Bolsey was like, "Nah, that one's mine." So I don't, I don't, we don't select a penalty taker. Like we have, we list, we list some penalty takers within our preparation and and then and then from there um, whoever feels comfortable with that moment in time because you've got to be comfortable taking penalties right? congratulations on the point it's Matt and good luck next week thank you very much and thank you to Matt once again for having the time to talk to us after the game we'll look at the table now Adam and there's a new side on top of the table it is Lions FC they sit on top of the table on 22 points ahead of Olympic on 20 then you have Gold Coast Knights on 16 points with a game in hand Peninsula Power Rounding out the top four on 15. Then Sunshine Coast Wanderers 12. Gold Coast United 11. Eastern Suburbs 11 with a game in hand. Morton Bay on eight points with a game in hand. Logan on eight points with a game in hand. The Raw down there in 10th on eight points. And Brisbane City on seven. And Capalabar three. The table, Adam, is we'll start at the top. It's been a fair while since Lions have found themselves at the top of the table, isn't it? For Which is, sounds funny to say given they are back-to-back champions, but... The regular season hasn't quite been their thing for the last couple of years, has it? Uh, this time last season, they were sitting in seventh place. 
So that's that's how much of they ended up rattling home, uh, got themselves into the finals and ended up winning the grand finals. So I think we know where this script is going as far as lines of that. The best may be yet to come with them. Uh, look, Peninsula Power, obviously, yeah, two two uh, losses. They they need to right the ship. Uh, and look, Gold Coast Knights look like that they may be back on the path. So it might be normal service has been has been restored the big four but look uh sunshine coast gold coast united east are certainly if they can take if they can turn draws into wins they and especially take some points off those top teams um even one of those any one of those three is certainly uh a chance at making uh the top four those three are certainly looming large if they can if any of those top four do slip up but i want to fix on the bottom half of the table in particular adam where there is just one point separating four sides between Morton Bay, Logan, Brisbane Raw, and Brisbane City. Just one point separating those four sides. It certainly sets up a very interesting mid to bottom third of the table. Um, it's a really nice setup there, isn't it? In terms of a lot of a lot of good teams there playing some good football, but someone's going to find themselves in a bit of trouble in a couple of weeks potentially. Absolutely, I think it's a case of that. Yeah, you know, you're right. The, a lot of these teams. Are fine, are fine in form. They're, they're playing well at the moment, or they're finding a way to get points. But yeah, at some point, you know, for at least three of those teams, uh, if luck starts to desert them or form starts to elude them, uh, yeah, they could they could be in some serious trouble. That is for sure. Now we would normally cover the MPL women's at this point of the show, but unfortunately they had a weekend off this week. But with female football week in in our minds, Adam, we'll move on and talk about the women's game anyway. And we'll focus on the Kappa Cup. Do you want to run us through some of the fixtures scheduled for midweek? Uh, yep, just bring it up on the screen. Uh, yep, so Logan Lightning will play Morton Bay. Uh, Mitchie, Mitchelton versus Olympic. Uh, Kapalabar versus South, and what would be South United, which I think that looks like a standout uh, contest, that one. Uh, Lions FC and uh, Peninsula Power. So the top of MPL versus the top of FQPL1. Um, Sunshine Sunshine Coast Wanderers a take on Turinga. So that's the only non, uh, Turinga being the only non uh, MPL or FQPL1 side left in the draw. Uh, or at least in southeast Queensland, and Gold Coast United take on QIS, and what I think will be another uh, fascinating game, uh, given that Gold Coast United probably uh, struggling a little bit versus you know, a QIS who are actually in good form at the moment. Yeah, it's a couple of very intriguing times, and I think the Gold Coast QIS game could be very interesting, as well as the Capalabar South United matchup. But the the matchup between the, the two sides who sit top of the both MPL and FQ1 respectively. It could be a very interesting matchup to see if how much Peninsula have improved. Because we did see them in the NPL last year, and that they were they did struggle. In fairness, they look a lot better now. So it's interesting to see just how much they potentially close that gap. Yeah, look, I I don't expect I don't expect uh, Power to win. I, I think that uh, Lions, I think in attack, I think probably got too much on them. But look, I'm I'd be surprised if this is more than three or four nil. And when I say th- three or four that's with power trying to chase the game and lions just hitting him on on the counter um i i suspect that this at least for 60 minutes could be a quite tight contest uh, i think that this, this power side is from from all from gathering from what we've seen are, are a very very good side uh they're 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 much they're much more than what they were last season and uh yeah i expect them at, at least at home to be able to put up a fight 
Absolutely. Alex Smith has got that side playing very, very well. This is the biggest test you can find in in female football here in Queensland. I'm interested in how they go against Lions during the week. We will have a look at, despite no MPL women's action, there was some FQPL played this week and have three games played. On Friday night, Mitchelson had a 7-1 win over the gap. Five goals from Kelly Poo taking over to 13 goals for the season in that game, Adam. Peninsula Power 3, Brisbane City 1 in a top-of-the-table clash there. Two goals from Vicky Lyons and a Abby Lloyd hat-trick inspired West Brunt to a 4-0 win over Virginia United. Just quickly, Adam, that win for Peninsula Power does see them extend their lead at the top and does does mark them down as the favourites now for promotion back to the NPL. Yeah, I think so. I think that, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be very, very tough to stop from here. Uh Six six games played now, only one goal conceded, which I think I think that probably shows that they've they've got definitely some good you know, good attackers as well. Uh, Vicky Lyons obviously at the moment's in in great form. Uh, same same with uh, Kiralee Phillips, but uh, defensively they they are very very good. And I, I think obviously again that that leads that line into that cup tie against uh, against Lions. I think that will be a good test for them, but I think it's probably going to be their toughest test of the year. Absolutely. You have a five-point lead over Western Pride on 13 points. And you have Brisbane City on 10, Mitchelson 9, Virginia 7, Logan 4, Southwest Queensland Thunder 3, and the gap yet to get off the mark so far in 2020. We will now go and have a look at the FQPL1 results, Adam. And we will start with a quite spectacular result out at the Compass Grounds on Saturday night. Redlands United 7, Mad Crossing Shadows 0. Five goals from Guy Santana helping Redlands to get the points in that one. A one-all draw between Southside Eagles and Sunshine Coast. A 92nd-minute equaliser from Onion Park got a point for the home side there. Out at Briggs Road, it was a 2-1 win for Roachdale over Western Pride. A 90-plus-8 winner from Marrick Madley in that one. And in the final game of the round, Adam, Brisbane Strikers came back to win the game against Camorto by four goals to two. So a couple of outstanding goals performances in that one, but also... Some late winners and late goals, Adam, which could shape the season, particularly that winner from Marek Madley for Rochdale. Yeah, it's actually actually interesting. We uh, we set the uh, socials a bit of buzz last uh, night because uh, I was obviously at the ground at Lions and the Football Twenty Four app actually had uh, Western Pride beating. Uh, Rochdale. So in in time it took for me to get from Lions back to home, there's sort of obviously been a conversation about that. Uh, but yeah, obviously I'm not shocked that it was Marek Madley that got the late winner on that. And uh, and yeah, but uh, look, that's that's good enough to see them Rochdale go back. But Redlands at the moment, I think they're the, they're the impressive one at the moment. Uh, they're scoring goals for fun, but I think most importantly, I think more than anything else, only six goals conceded, which. For Redlands, that's that's outstanding. That that's that's 2017 form uh, for them. I know I know it's down down a level as well, but uh, look, they they're sitting second at the moment. They have got the game in hand on Rochdale, so they convert that win. Uh, they'll they'll go top of the table and looking good for for promotion back to MPL. They are sitting very handily there. Redlands, you mentioned they've conceded just the six goals. That has been their problem over the last couple of years. They've conceded a lot of goals at the MPL level when they were in the MPL previously, but they scored a lot of goals. That was never the problem. So defensively, mm. perhaps Graham Harvey has potentially solved some of those defensive issues, which have 
affected Redlands in the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right there. The scoring goals for Redlands was never a problem. It was it was not conceding. And uh, yeah, you're right. I think, yeah, uh, credit to Graham Harvey and his staff down there. That's obviously something that they've worked on. Obviously, the attacks in FQPL um, are not going to be as as strong as as uh, the as they were in the in top flight, but still, like, you still got to go out there and your defenders still got to do a job. Absolutely, they do. Look at the table. You mentioned that Rochdale do sit top level on twenty points compared to Redlands nineteen. Redlands do have a game in hand, so that could change when that does come. So that is that is because Rochdale have played one more game because Redlands have had their buy and Rochdale get to get that. So there is there is a buy in FQPL. So that's why some of the games played are a little bit distorted. So Rochdale sit top on twenty points and Redlands on nineteen. Brisbane Strikers sixteen and the Thunder round out the top four. Their game was washed out this week and they remain fourth on 13 points, and you have Caboolture in fifth on 12, and then Western Pride 9, Magpies 9, Southside Eagles 8, Sunshine Coast Fire 8, Michelson 6, and Ipswich Knights 4. So there's a there's a pretty clear, a couple of clear tiers emerging now, isn't there, in the FQP? And you've got that top four, maybe five with Caboolture, who are starting to kick clear. Then there's a real dogfight between the rest of the sides in the, in the mid-pack. Yeah, and uh, just just on uh, Thunder, that game is due to be played this Wednesday. Obviously, weather permitting, with all the forecasts for a lot of rain. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know we've been, we've gone back to round one in the MPL, but <laughs> that's that's the forecast. So uh, weather permitting, yeah, Thunder be Ipswich Knights on um, on Wednesday night. Uh, speaking of Ipswich Knights, they went down to Western Pride in the Ipswich Derby that we we covered last Wednesday, and yeah, that that seems to have seen. We're talking about you know that bottom half of the table, Western Pride. Uh, they they seem to be travelling well. They um they came within moments of of taking points off, you know, off Rochdale, and they they seem to be the, the sort of top of that pack. Uh, Magpies Crusaders, that's a big concern. Leaking seven goals, uh, shipping seven goals against uh, Redlands. I think their travel woes may be back. I uh, so we should talk about quickly that Ipswich Derby. We did cover that on Wednesday night. It was a two-one win for Western Pride over the Ipswich Knights. Will Asante and Brendan Dolan got the goals for Western Pride. Yuta Kasahara, a very nice finish for Ipswich. It was a very pretty even game, but it's probably fair to say Western Pride shaded it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yuta Kasahara's goal. I wouldn't be surprised that we part Football Queensland's goal of the week's package. That was a very, very nice goal to equalise. But the problem was then Braden Doolan runs through half the half the fence and scores to put them back in front, and that was all she wrote. So, yeah, look, I think um, it, it is it is tight. I think, but judging by all those, so I seen Mitchelton tenth place with the uh, with the attacking firepower they have is you know is extraordinary at the moment. But again, I think. It is FQPL one. I think you're right. I think it's breaking off into two, two distinct packs. But I think within those packs, I think it's going to be very, very tight. It's going to be very, very competitive. So look, I think there's a plenty way to go before we get any sort of resolutions amongst this league. Absolutely. We'll move on now to FQPL two, as we like to call it, Adam, the league of goals. Twenty-five goals from from five games played this weekend across FQPL two. South United started on Friday night with a two-one win away to Wynnum Wolves and that one Ryan Rashani got a late winner for South in that game. On Saturday Service Paradise Apollo five Grange Thistle one. Two goals from Teddy Watson to remain at the top of the goal scoring charts from him. Uh, Albany Creek six North Star one. Three goals from Alistair Russell there in that one to help Ace remain in the top two. A one all draw between Turinga and Coomera 
out there at Jacksbeer Park for the final game of the round. Holland Park Hawks 5, Virginia United 2. Hattrick from Yanni Condillas to help the Hawks in that one. So plenty of goals as usual on display in the FQPL 2, Adam. Yep, but I think all roads are leading to next Saturday night uh, at the Lexbell Oval, Surface Paradise and Albany Creek. Uh, that's, that is going to be, uh, we're going to get a big indication of who is the number one team in this league at the moment. With that, with those two game, teams clash next week. Uh, but look, Holland Park, uh, uh, I think they're they're starting to move along very very nicely now. They're 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 uh, they're picking up some nice wins. Uh, Magic United, they've actually played a game. Um, they, they're obviously as well nicely poised and uh, sort of reading the regulations and whatnot today in search of uh, of other issues. Uh, yeah, top four potentially could go up to FQPL one next season. So obviously that, that battle for the top four, you throw and win them as well. And it's going to be very competitive who, you know, gets back into, into FQPL one or who finishes fourth and uh, go, has to go through a playoff. Absolutely. You mentioned Magic United they could play a game. Well, they have had their last two games, unfortunately, postponed due to the weather game against Coomera last week and the game against Sanford this week. And I believe the Sanford game could be played midweek, again, weather dependent on that one. So we'll see if Magic can get some of these catch-up games played. But as we do look at the table, Magic are one of two sides with a unbeaten record to start the year. Adam, Service Paradise, also one of three, I beg your pardon, including Albany Creek. Service Paradise at top of the table on 24 points with eight wins out of eight. Then you have Albany Creek, two points behind on 22. So that match-up during the weekend, next week should be very, very intriguing. Holland Park then are third on 14. Magic with two games in hand are on 12 in fourth. Then you have Wynnum Wolves on 11, Samford 8, North Star 7, South United 7, Virginia 6, Turinga 5, Grange Thistle 4, and Coomera Colts 3. So Magic can notice they do get these games in hand to fall their way, could very well find themselves right in the race for not just top four, Adam, potentially top two. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if uh, it's a decisive winner home and away between Surface Paradise and Albany Creek. That I think they're close enough to strike. But I was just looking at this table as well. Um, Sanford Rangers, only five games played. Yes, Which, they have three games yeah, in hand so, as well. So they could also find themselves in that I, mix, absolutely. I recant my statement about Magic United not playing games. I say, well, when Sanford, United, uh, Sanford Rangers actually decide to play, actually able to play a game. Because they also as well... Um, they, they can they convert all those all those games, um, and all of a sudden they're sitting in second and clear, sorry in third and there's a clear third. So, yeah, I think a few of these catch up games coming up, I think are going to be very very vital for a number of teams, mainly for Magic, uh, Magic United and Sanford, who will, as you said, they will play each other at some point. Absolutely. So Sanford's catch up games are against Grange Thistle. Set North, Grand's just a little way, North Star at home, and then Magic you know, on the road. So there is potential there for them also to move up. But it, in terms of that, I, it's interesting, isn't it? Because these games in hand, when these are played, we'll get a much clearer picture on the FQPL 2 table. But despite that, I think it's pretty clear we both think that the best two sides will face off this weekend. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, this very, like I said, even like I said, we're talking up you now the chances of Magic United and Samford as well, but uh, and also Holland Park. But look, I think Surface Paradise and Albany Creek, they're, they're at another level at the moment. And I think it's just going to be a fascinating contest to see where these, where these two sides are at against each other, because I think they've got the rest of the league covered. We'll see what happens next week on the show, potentially, if a game is played 
weather permitting. Now, we're going to our performer of the week. What do you have for us this week? Uh, look, uh, the, the, there's a couple of obvious ones, and uh, the, the goal scorers are, are getting up. Um, I'm going to actually go, because I think I know which one you're going to go. I'm actually go go with uh, Kelly Palfroy from... Um, from uh, Mitchelton, who scored another four goals uh, this week in that 7-1 win over the gap. Uh, she has actually scored a number of multiple bags of goals uh, this season, so I think we probably need to give her the recognition she deserves. Um, yeah, very, 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 very good player. That, you know, score fun at the moment. Uh, I believe she's she's American uh, American imports, so she might be one to look at. Uh, uh, especially for Mitchelton in FGP on one women's, but also as well, you know. Yeah, I think beyond beyond that, because I think she's a she sounds she seems like a very very talented player. You could also throw Geese and Tanner into if you want to include players who've had a great goal scoring weekend. I'm going to surprise you. I'm not going to go for anyone who scored this weekend. Actually, I'm going to go for two midfield performances who are really really impressive. Me as a former holding midfield player, it's a position I do very much enjoy when players play well in that position. So Joey Duckworth and Dan <laughs> Cunha ran the games respectively in their two matchups. And I was. It was great to watch them both play over the weekend. I enjoyed their performance in the middle of the park. He wanted something which was not goal scorers last weekend, so I provided something for you. There you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, no, no, we're always, we're always big fan of Joey Duckworth's work, and uh, yeah, like I said, you're right. He he was uh, virtually instrumental in you know plotting Olympics downfall. I know Alex Fechner was the one who got the name on the score sheet, but that midfield lines, um, yeah, when they're when they're running hot, uh, lines almost unstoppable. It was an outstanding move performance. There's no doubt about that. Thanks for joining me once again, Adam. Yep, thanks, Scott. That'll do the decision of the British Football Review's NPL Sunday. We'll be back once again next weekend to recap all the action in the NPL men's, women's, FQPL 1, 2, as well as the Cap Cup, again, weather permitting. And we'll all talk to you once again next week.